Hi, everyone, and welcome to the View from the Mount podcast, episode three. We're so thankful that you guys have tuned in and for joining us the past couple weeks. We hope that uh, you've enjoyed this and hope that maybe it's just challenged you to have deeper, more meaningful conversations in your own life with other people and even to think a little bit deeper. This week, we are diving into a different topic. We are going to touch on the issue of tolerance. So I, I'm Jason. I'm here once again joined by Matt, and we want to dive into this topic, Matt. Yeah, so part of what we were talking about to start with was that this word has sort of changed over the the years. I mean, what exactly do we even mean by tolerance? I think people use this word a lot and they misuse this word a lot. And so the first thing we kind of want to do is have a discussion about what we mean when we say tolerance. A- absolutely. We knew that when we kind of planned this topic, that this would be a sensitive issue. There would be one that is kind of going around in our culture and has for a, a lot of years. So we knew that and we understand that this in itself, just the word tolerance, it catches people. Absolutely. So, and I think the idea now is that if you are going to be tolerant, it means that you have to accept everything that a person believes or chooses to do. And beyond accepting it, it's it's not just an idea of live and let live, but there's also an expectation that you almost endorse or celebrate this. Those things. Um, we should be completely supportive of anything anyone wants to do, and anything less than that is considered to be intolerance, and it's it's kind of based on this idea that you're being hateful by having that attitude. Co- correct. So maybe it used to be that when that word tolerance was used, that it meant, will you still love somebody and treat somebody kindly that disagrees with you? And that was the idea of tolerance. Now, the idea of tolerance is, will you just be silent about anything or will you just conform your beliefs to anything that might be culturally sensitive? And and that's now the idea of tolerance. So when we're asked the question, are we tolerant? That depends on how we define tolerance. Right. And so we kind of want to talk about where these ideas are incorrect, you know, the way this is being applied nowadays. Uh, We're going to talk a little bit about the intolerance of of people who are kind of screaming the loudest for tolerance. And then we want to talk about how the church is handling this issue uh, among ourselves. Are we being tolerant in the way we ought to be? And so so first, I guess, maybe just touch on this idea that if, if we aren't going to tolerate in the world's sense of the word, anything that we disagree with, that we're being hateful by by having that attitude. I think that's really a flawed premise, especially based on what we believe about sin. You know, if we believe that there are consequences for sin, to encourage people in it would actually be the hateful thing. Uh, so, so we have to at least say, Matt, that we're talking being tolerant of what we would call sinful behavior or wrong ways of thinking. How do we deal when when those things conflict? And, and then how far does this go? I mean, you and I, we're going to have disagreements on various things. Do we sever our friendship or our working relationship? Because somewhere down the road, we diverge. Yeah. And, and the other question being, do I bend my beliefs to a allow for what you want to do in order to save our friendship? Is that my responsibility morally to do that? And I don't think so. I think we can hold to our principles. I think we can hold to different ideas and still care about one another and not have this idea that if I disagree with you, that I hate you. Right. So Christians by and large are classified as being intolerant. I think it's at least interesting to examine Is there some truth to that statement that a non-Christian might give to the Christian community? Are Christians intolerant? So is is that, what do you think, Matt? Is is that a fair description of the church? Sometimes. 
I mean, sometimes it is. You know, we certainly would say that as Christians, we ought to be intolerant of sin, you know, whether it's in other people's lives or in ourselves or in the world. We should not bow to sin and pretend like it's okay and ignore it. However, I do think that in pursuit of that, often people who are Christians or who call themselves Christians actually do come out and and they are hateful of the people rather than just the behavior. The issue this is most prevalent in today is dealing with homosexuality or any type of permissive sexual behavior. Yeah. That that's where this comes most common. It's probably broadening, but because we we're starting to see more of that in society whether it is promoting pedophilia or anything else, it's this idea that we should tolerate and accept people as they are without calling attention to the fact that what's do- taking place might be wrong. Well, and I think that's a that's a result of people wrap their behaviors up in their identity. And so if we disapprove of their behaviors, we disapprove of the person, that gets labeled as hate. And so we become afraid to take a stand against these things. And so mm-hmm. just more and more of these behaviors come out and the church kind of seeds more and more of that ground where we're not willing to take a stand for the truth because we don't want to be perceived as hateful. And then there's no real limit there. As you said, like there's been people lately even trying to normalize pedophilia. I mean, at what point does this become, you know, we got to stop. We got to stop it somewhere. And And, and this becomes a church growth pattern as well. It becomes trendy for a church to brand itself as being tolerant. And by that, they mean we'll accept you as you are without ever calling attention to the fact that we think what you might do is wrong. Now, to be fair, they might not genuinely think that that behavior is wrong. Right. And you have all these, you know, different denominations, even, you know, the Methodist church is splitting over this issue where some of the churches are going to go ahead and permit that and others churches aren't. Let's at least right, right here, make clear what we mean, because what we mean is that there's two sides to this coin. One is we never, ever can compromise the truth. We can't condone sin, but we we also have to love people. There have been times where the church has had the right position and the wrong attitude. Yeah. You know, they, they've, they've taken a stand on something and said, this is wrong and sin, but they've come across incredibly hateful, angry, uh, divisive. and And so we think that we can love people, but not tolerate and excuse sinful behavior. We can speak about what's right and wrong. We can call attention to it. Absolutely. Because if, if we're not going to have relationships with people despite their sin, how are we ever going to reach the lost who are out there? Uh, we have to be willing to tolerate certain things mm-hmm. in order to be close to people. Now, that does not mean that we pretend those things are okay or acceptable. And it is it is strange how some behaviors, you can get away with this a right. little better. You know, I, I know people who aren't Christians who I have friendships with and they swear and they, they drink, you know, to excess on the weekends and they know I don't agree with that. And yet it never really becomes a point of contention in our in our friendship. In fact, if they slip up and, you know, say certain things in front of me, they might even, you know, oh, I'm sorry about that. You know, they're respectful of where I stand. I, I try to not come over the top on them about those issues because I want to show them the love of Christ. I want to bring them along. And if I alienate them, I can't do that. And, and and as a church, we do this. We preach against sin. We don't spend every week preaching about homosexuality. or In fact, that's not a topic that's often specifically driven at in our sermons. But I, I found that once you get to that topic and, and others, that 
that immediately becomes sensitive. While I could preach on lying and on cussing and all these other things, and I never have somebody feel like I'm being intolerant of their behavior with those issues. There are certain things, and maybe it's kind of what you alluded to, is that there are some things that are wrapped up more in people's identity, mm-hmm. and, and maybe that's it. It's, it's certainly a protective mechanism. Yeah. And, th- and at that point, once something is a part of who you are, you, they no longer will identify that in the same category as lying or stealing or, you know, they'll say, well, those things are wrong. This mm-hmm. is just a part of who I am. And so it's fine. H- how much do you think that this idea of tolerance is just a quick go-to where they don't, it's not even about the issue. It's this, it's their way to shut us up on, on a topic. So if they're pigeonholed, you know, backed into a corner on issue, they just say, ah, you're being intolerant. And the goal is just to silence. And sure. it's worked. And that's a tactic that gets used all the time. If, if people can't grapple with you on the level of ideas, they'll go after your character. You know, well, I, I don't, I can't argue with what you're saying. So I'll call you a racist and I don't have to listen to this from a racist, yeah. you know? So they, they slander you and then they can dismiss your argument. And this is where we've changed as a culture. I love to read like debates back in like the 1800s you know abraham lincoln had these massive long debates uh running for president and other people had religious debates and they would oftentimes in these debates they would spend a week or two together Mm -hmm. uh, as they prepared for the debate and then they'd go out and have this blistering debate disagreement on the issue and then they'd go out and hang out and be friends afterwards we can't do that easily today. No, we can't. And and in fact, it's become sort of hazardous to have a, a dissenting opinion because people are having their lives destroyed over it. And it's interesting, you know, as what we tolerate as a society shifts, we're sort of retroactively judging people on things that, you know, they're dragging out things people tweeted eight years ago and destroying their careers when at that time, what they said was acceptable, you know, right. whereas it's become unacceptable. And, 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 that, and that in itself doesn't speak about the right or wrong about it, but it does speak about the idea of when, when people talk about tolerance mm-hmm. or they shout that somebody's being intolerant. And at the, on the other hand, they're incredibly intolerant of yeah. people that aren't tolerating the same thing. So what people mean by that is you have to tolerate these things, this set group. And if you don't tolerate that, you're intolerant. Yeah. And that's kind of that second point we wanted to, to talk about is the sort of hypocrisy that you see there. And I think it's interesting. They use this sort of mechanism where they they don't consider what they're doing to be intolerant because they're equating your dissenting opinion with you're evil or you're wrong or that is hate. So it's okay to be intolerant of, of our dissenting stance on this because they, they call it hatefulness and they call it, you know, us being nasty and, and intolerant of others. And so it's okay to shut us down sure. because we're wrong. And they're, they're hypocritical in that. Sure. Um, the, the most intolerant people that I've heard are people shouting for tolerance sometimes. And it's coming from that radical left uh, you know, on one hand, they're like, you be the, the right is so intolerant. And, and sometimes they have some ground on, on what they're saying. But on the same side, you listen and you see the incredible intolerance. They won't associate with people with a different ideology at all. No. And they'll only allow, uh, like in, in universities, if you go to a university, they can have somebody come speak on their university that comes from any political background as far left as you can go, communism, socialism, whatever else. And that's fine because their idea is that college is an exploring of ideas and they want to be tolerant of different ideas. 
but you get somebody to the right of center and they don't want to explore those ideas. Right. And I think it's causing problems for us as Christians because you get tired of being attacked in that way. You know, you get tired of being called a bigot and a homophobe and a racist. And, and, and you know that in your heart, that's not who I am. And that's not what I'm saying. I'm saying that God doesn't approve of certain behaviors. That doesn't mean I hate you or that I think right. you're not a person or don't have rights. But they kind of straw man our position and then they attack it. And then we get so frustrated because we're, we don't want to say anything because we don't want to get taken down by the cancel culture mob or whatever. And then by the time we finally have had enough, we blow up and then it ends up we say things we shouldn't say and, because we're mad. And we don't want to go to one side extreme or the other. Jesus was the perfect model of grace and truth. Yeah. He demonstrated this with individuals. He never tolerated what somebody did, never patted someone on the back and say, it's okay, I don't want to hurt your feelings. But he also never treated people with these sins. No. He never treated them horribly, even though he disagreed clearly with their life choice. Yeah. And and the thing about the thing about being the church right now is even though these people are being hypocritical and they're coming after anyone who they brand intolerant, which is ironic, if we're the church, there is no safe position on this where we're going to be immune to that. For for one thing, we've seen over and over anyone who bows to this pressure and apologizes for things, it's never enough. They get taken down anyway, right? And and then secondly, even if we're being silent, all it's ever taken to convict people is to do what's righteous when they are not doing what's righteous. Mm-hmm. And just just by not participating or just by not openly endorsing certain things, we put the lie to what they're trying to say is good and right. And so just our not participating makes us a target. And yeah. so even being silent makes us a target. And so all we can do is be courageous, but make sure that we're standing for the truth in a way that is loving. And, and that we're not living into this stereotype of some hateful bigot. So, so if by tolerance, the world around us means you have to accept anything and everything without ever disagreeing or commenting or speaking against behavior, then I guess by that definition, we are intolerant. Yeah, I suppose we would be. And we should be. I mean, we shouldn't tolerate everything. Um, I think it's outrageous that someone's trying to normalize pedophilia. I will never endorse that behavior. I'm never going to tolerate that but, behavior. But on a deeper level, and, 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 and those, those are extremes, we should be able to have civil discussions about points that we disagree, even moral choices that we disagree on from people on the complete other side, and, and be able to have a discussion on the ideas with ro- uh, reason and logic. And then afterwards, not hate each other. Yeah. And and as as the church, we ought to be better equipped to do that because we ought to be seeing people as being made in the image of God. They have inherent value. Christ died for that person. And so we should be able to look past, you know, this angry finger wagging exterior that they're showing us and realize Christ loves this person. He died for this person. It might be a little more difficult for us to get that treatment in return, but we still have to be willing to be kind to people, even though we disagree with what they're saying. And I think that's why this is a more difficult issue, because people do want to run to one side or the other. They want to say, well, we got to speak up for truth. And that would be regardless of the tone regardless of how they treated they you know they would hang their hat on the fact that they stood up for what's right and i've heard lots of people that agree with their position but disagreed with how they presented it so for us it's not on the table we can't compromise in fact we would say that while we're not tolerating behavior that's sin 
that it would be unloving for us not to speak it. Well, sure. I mean, it would be unloving if you would encourage someone to go ahead and run over the side of a cliff because you didn't want to hurt their feelings. I mean, loving someone sometimes means being honest, even though you know it's going to hurt their feelings. And, and I don't think that's perceived well uh, from from. People, I don't think they can grasp that that concept that they would just see that as judgment and intolerance of, of behavior. Yeah. But what they want is just a, a condoning of of behavior. So we can't do that. No. We we don't have the authority to change scripture. It's our job and responsibility to speak the truth in love. Sometimes that's difficult, and sometimes it's culturally unpopular. And if if we're not willing to be a beacon for truth, for, yeah. for God's truth, we cease to be a light in the world. Our light goes out, right? We're, we're no longer making an impact. We're no longer showing people Christ. So we can't do that. That would be unloving to do that. But as we're standing for truth, we cannot give up the moral high ground by being just as nasty and vitriolic and horrible as, as everyone else wants to be. We can't go out there and be calling people nasty names, no. accusing people of being horrific, awful people just because they hold a belief that's different than ours. For one thing, we're just going to turn them off. They're not going to respond to that. Right. All it's going to do is entrench them further in that position and convince them further that the church is hateful. So we've got to find a way to do it that is caring and that that expresses the love of Christ. And I always just keep thinking about you know, the woman at the well, Jesus did not shy away from addressing her sin. In pretty short order, in fact, he worked his way around to bringing that up and pointing it out and telling her the solution to that. But he never treated her with disrespect. But the same with the woman caught in adultery in yes, John 8. Right. And and the people he kind of lashed out there were the religious hypocrites. I mean, if, if there was anyone Jesus seemed intolerant of in the scripture, it wasn't sinners. It was people in the church who were acting poorly. Right. And, and that kind of brings to this other thought that we, we wanted to convey was, while we have to have love for everybody, those with different lifestyles, we should love everybody, those that disagree with us, and speaking the truth, doing both those things, there are things that we just cannot tolerate. Yeah, as the church, we cannot just allow certain things to pass or pretend like they're okay. For one thing, if you love that person, you should care what becomes of their eternal soul. And just to right. cheer somebody on on what you know is a road to destruction is the most horrifying thing I can imagine doing. Right in our tribe, uh, in the church, yeah. When when there is public sin, we have a responsibility as church leaders to deal with that. Now that doesn't give us a license to be unloving no. or unkind, but it but it does tell us that we should deal with it. First Corinthians five, you have this church that is tolerant, proud of this sin, and and they were condemned for that. Yeah, because it's not all about us. It's not all about our feelings. It's not all about the individual. Once you're in the church, you have a responsibility to the body of Christ to keep it holy, to, to protect it. And so when we allow unrepentant sin to pass in the church, it does all kinds of bad things. For one thing, it's not doing that person any favors because they're not no, likely not. to repent. You're encouraging others to go ahead and sin because they can point to this person and say, well, they're doing it. Nobody's saying anything. Must be okay. And then you've got unbelievers who can point to that person and say, well, they're just hypocrites there. Look at what so-and-so's doing. And they would be right. Yeah, they would be right. And so at a certain point, you know, once we have talked to the, to a person and, and tried to get them to repent and they won't do it, we have to shift our focus 
to let's protect the church. And so we have a consistent stand. And, and, and I don't like just to say against sin, mm-hmm. but it's also for righteousness. Sure. You know, and, and sometimes the tone is what are we against, not what are we for. And, and so in the same breath, we're against sin, we're for righteousness. Yeah. And, and for most people, I think it's just a, a matter of, for heaven's sakes, be for something and against something. We can't just float right. around and be chameleons. We can't have this nothing opinion on it, anything because we don't want to ruffle any feathers or be the target of some sort of retribution. We have to stand up for what's right and not compromise on that. And I yeah. think we can be loving and still be uncompromising. I, I think someone said one time that tolerance is the virtue of a person without conviction. Yeah. And, and I can understand that, you know, at least have a conviction that you believe enough to stand for it. And then if we disagree on it, let's hash it out. Let's debate it. And then let's be kind to each other in our disagreement. It's, it, I mean, there, there are clear lines that we should adhere to. And so I guess, you know, what does this look like as we are trying to take a stand as the church, as we're trying to put out something that's different than what we're being accused of, right? Which is, we don't want to come across as being hateful. How do we do that? What does that look like? You know, you've got a friend who is blatantly living a lifestyle that is defiant of God. And you know that as soon as you even broach the subject, they're going to think that you're some sort of a bigot or an awful person or that you're being judgmental. How do we sort of diffuse that, do you think? My, my opinion is this, and, and again, this is without, uh, it's just like anecdotal. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I think that the voices shouting loud like this is not the majority. I think most people can appreciate conviction mm-hmm. and can, can differentiate when we speak that conviction in a loving tone. I don't think that the majority of people would would feel that way. The voice is getting louder in yeah. 2020, but I think I think there are a lot of reasonable people. We might not convince them to change their behavior mm-hmm. or change their mind, but I, I think most people can have those discussions without accusing us of being intolerant, xenophobic, yeah. bigots. And I think I think maybe part of it is what venue we have these conver- these are conversations that are best in person. Again, I know we've talked about this before. But not Facebook? Yeah, Facebook's not the best place for this. Okay. Because for one thing, all those reasonable people in the world can read what you're saying, but you're going to draw lightning from the most extreme. Well, you miss tone. You can't convey tone on a Facebook post. Yeah, and but and there are also people out there who are going to intentionally misconstrue what you're saying sure. because they want to make an example of you. They just want to lash out at anyone. And so it's going to turn off anyone who might have wanted to listen or right. have a real discussion because it's just going to immediately turn into this very extreme shouting match where, you know, you're being villainized and, and other people are all ready to pile on and you you wind up being this lone voice and you're just being chewed up. Mm-hmm. For one thing, that's not effective at winning anyone over. It is for not. another thing, it's a exhausting to you. I've been in these positions and I've just been, it just emotionally tears me to pieces to try to, to hold the line in that kind of a situation. And you know, you're not doing any good. And so, and, and so there's churches that are, I'm sure there are churches that are tempted to not speak the truth mm-hmm. because they feel it might be better for their numbers, that they might attract more people, turn less people away. I do not believe that that works. I, I don't believe it works on any level because I think most of the most unbelieving world that's seeking something is seeking something that has substance yeah. and, and, and a conviction that's different than what they already have. Absolutely. So I, I think what our experience is showing us is that these, uh, what we call like these old mainline denominations, they're crumbling. Mm-hmm. They're crumbling in part because they have uh, very little conviction they're standing on. They don't have 
any strong idea one way or the other. Sure. I mean, the church is, is built on the gospel of Christ. You abandon that. You abandon the word of God, you lose your structural integrity, and you're just going to collapse. We don't have to compromise that to produce growth. No, we don't. As a matter of fact, I think what you're saying is correct. I think people who are seeking are seeking something different. And when they show up here, and you're just trying to be hip, and you're trying to be more like the world in order to attract people, Mm -hmm. you're actually going to chase them away. Because they're going to say, well, this is just like the world, except they got a list of stuff I'm not allowed to do. You know, and they want my money. Yeah, if that, if that. <laughs> right, yeah, well, if that, right. And and I don't think that does any favors. Obviously, that's not faithful to the scripture. No. But it's it's also not effective in, in, in actually reaching people. Or if your goal is just building a church and attracting people, I, I don't think that that, that really is going to do. It might temporarily, but I don't think it does really. Now, sooner or later, sooner or later, this church is sort of collapse on themselves. And, you know, if we're if we're called to be holy as God is holy, we have to be getting these these sinful behaviors Mm -hmm. out of our lives and encouraging others to do the same and being that example for them. And the world's definition of tolerance absolutely cripples our ability to do that. If we're not even able to point out what's right and wrong anymore, we become utterly ineffective as the church. So with this kind of working towards wrapping up, how do we, we have to make sure we're consistent, meaning I can't point my finger out there and shout and scream about sin out there, but tolerate it, excuse it, or justify it in my own life or in your life. Absolutely. And I think we have to be open about that. I mean, we don't want to bear every skeleton in our closet to every single person. You know, we kind of talked a little bit about confession on the last episode. We have to be discerning about that. But when we're talking to somebody and we want to address their sin, the, the very worst possible thing we can do is pretend not to have any ourselves. The whole point of Christ's death on the cross is because we all have sin and we're all broken and we all need that forgiveness. And I think being upfront about that, it, it keeps this perception that we're talking down out of the picture. You know, it's not that you're looking down at someone from your moral high horse and saying, you're wrong. You're saying, look, I know what it is to be wrong. You know, I've been wrong. Christ saved me. Sure. And, and we're not, save you and too. never, never by speaking about sin, by defining something as sin, are we asking, suggesting, or encouraging people to be mistreated? Right stoned, abused, whatever else, we would be against those things. Absolutely. No, you don't ever treat somebody as less than human because they have sin. We all have sin. So yeah, you got to treat them with respect. You got to treat them with love. And I think that's really one of the ways that Christ got over on people. You know, Zacchaeus, he called him down and, and, and agreed to come to his house. And that was an honor at that time. He didn't shun the man. He didn't start, you know, berating him right there in public. He treated him like a human being. He treated them with respect. And when people know you can't, care about them, they're much more willing to listen to what you've got to say. I'd I'd be interested just from anybody that is on that other extreme of the spectrum. Mm -hmm. When they hear us talk about this, what's their perception of it? I don't know, man. I mean, I guess it depends on how we're talking. And I think in that vein, we kind of have to check our motivation on this. So like, why are we telling people that they're wrong. Is it because we just want to be right and we want to we want to take somebody down and point out that they're wrong or is it because we care about their souls and we and we love them and we want them to be saved? And and those that would have a different perspective, they are latching on to the the extreme cases of anger and hate coming from a Christ, the Christian far yeah. right. There, there are cases whether it's that church down south that's picketing funerals, you know, mm, right. and 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 saying horrible things. That doesn't represent all Christians. No, and so but when, but neither does neither does churches that are 
waving rainbow flags and saying it doesn't matter what you do. So what we want to do is we want to treat people kindly, lovingly, but it's not loving and kind. If I think that something is wrong, it's not kind of me to not say that. And there's, there's numerous times in the scripture where we are instructed to behave in certain ways so that people won't find fault in us and, and, and judge Christ according to our bad behavior. And this is one of those things, you know, you're asking, well, how do people perceive it when we talk about these things? Well, we need to be cognizant of the fact that people are listening when the church talks about this stuff. They, they're looking for a reason to stick us and to call us bigots. And so we have to make sure that our speech is, is filled with grace and salt. And mm-hmm. we have to be handling these things with love so that even if somebody wants to call us hateful, they realistically don't have any ground to stand on. You, they're going to say it, but there, it doesn't mean such it's true. such anger right now and, and tensions are so high and things seem to be polarizing uh-huh. between right and left, whatever that, however we would define that, it seems like our society is quickly polarizing. I I don't expect that the shouts for tolerance that we would think is unreasonable. Mm -hmm. I don't think that's going away. I don't think so either, but the church still has to take a stand. You know, we were not given a spirit of timidity, but of power, love, and self-discipline. We have got to be courageous. We've got to stand up for the truth and we've got to do that vocally and yeah, we got to do it with kindness, but we have to do it. And 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 I think we really have to avoid this temptation to get drawn into this right and left yeah. stuff. You know, like, yeah, Christians tend to fall more toward the right by default, I guess, because they share more of our values. But we can't ally ourselves with every nasty and, thing the Republican Party is well, doing. Well, I don't think that know? has to be a, a, a political statement. I think an ideological one, you know. Uh, and, and I don't know a better way to describe that right or left. I want to. I want to be. Correct. I want to. Sure. I want to be godly. I want my tone to be right. I want my mm-hmm. position to be right. And it's wrong to choose to have a good tone but the wrong platform. Sure. My my point is that yes, it's an ideological left and right thing. But in America, you're right. It it tends to to go along party party lines politically. And so as Christians, we need to be careful that the lead we're following is the one that's set out in scripture, not not whatever mm-hmm. Trump is doing or whatever the right is doing. And, and we just sort of adhere to that um, because we feel like we have to have solidarity there. We have to have solidarity with Christ. We have to be the church standing on scripture. And that might put us at odds with any number of different groups that are out there. And so if we can kind of bring this to a close with a couple couple thoughts to close. My mind's drawn to this, that we can disagree. We Mm -hmm. are going to disagree. We're going to disagree about anybody, but that doesn't mean we can't have a conversation. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't mean we have to be hateful and sever all ties because we disagree. And I also think that includes like the intelligent shaming, like, ah, you're dumb because you don't hold my position. You're less evolved or or you're less enlightened than I am because you don't hold this position. Or you're morally deficient. You're you're wicked. You're a nasty person because you don't agree with me. And so I I think that that for me is where this comes to, to head. I can tolerate you. I can love you and we can we can be friends. And have serious disagreements about our views and and personal moral choices. But I think at some point, the conversations are valuable. Hiding from them and not having them is not doing favors. No, we've got to get out there. We've got to have these conversations. The church cannot excuse itself from this conversation. We cannot. All these different things that are going on, we have to stand on truth and we have to get that truth out there to people 
people. And I think when it comes down to it, when we're talking to someone about their sin or about something they're struggling with or about something we disagree about, it has to come down to, I can't agree with what you are saying and endorse this behavior because I love you too much right. to do that. I'm not going to spare your feelings and allow you to destroy yourself without putting up some kind of a fight. You know, I, I talked or, or listened to an interview with Penn Gillette once. Um, it's like a magician, but he's a, he's also a very staunch atheist. And he talks about if Christians really believe what they say they're going to believe. And he likens it to seeing someone who's about to walk out in front of a truck and be killed. And he said, what would you do to keep them from doing that? You would scream, you would yell, you would, if needs be, tackle them to the ground to keep them from walking out in front of that truck. We cannot be less dedicated to saving people's souls and hurting their feelings by being truthful is sometimes an unfortunate necessity. We just have to make sure that they understand we're coming from a place of love and not just of Absolutely. moral superiority where we're trying to talk down to them. And now that we've completely resolved the issue yeah. for the whole world to right. take in and understand better, there'll never be these issues again. Mm -hmm. We really do hope that maybe maybe just caused you to think a little bit. We'd love to hear thoughts from both sides uh, and hear different perspectives. Let us know uh, in comment sections. And we do... Uh, encourage you to check us out on different platforms that we're on. Uh, we are on Spotify and iTunes and Google uh, and also on YouTube and on a website. So we really appreciate your feedback. Uh, if you would do us a favor and click subscribe on those uh, different forums, we'd really appreciate it. And we will be back in a fortnight. Yeah. And uh, if in doubt you're looking for, for some of our content, just check out our website. It is lakemountchurchofchrist.org. Uh, we've got sermons on there. The podcast episodes are there. And we've got some other things that are going to be coming soon. So we hope you'll join us for our next episode. Uh, we're actually going to dive into the, the concept of sexual integrity uh, in the church. This is something that really is just tearing people to pieces. It's destroying lives. This is something that we struggle with, especially men, but not only men. We struggle with this idea of whether it's pornography or our fantasy life or or being faithful to our spouses sexual temptation is maybe maybe the most powerful force in the world next to God in terms of what can affect our behavior. And we hide it because it's shameful. And so we're going to kind of talk about how do we deal with that in the church and how can we take advantage of leaning on one another for support and leaning on Christ? Absolutely. So again, thank you once again for tuning in. We will be back soon. All right. Thanks, everyone.